Hello, and welcome to the Tech Startup Show. In this episode, I speak to Min Lee, an awesome entrepreneur in the healthcare tech space. She studied biomedical sciences with management at Imperial College London, healthcare technologies at King's College London, and then launched a mental health startup, Human. We talk about the healthcare tech world, running a business part-time, and some of the challenges of entrepreneurship. So let's just get right into it. Well, first of all, Min, would you like to just tell us a bit about yourself? Yes, I find this part probably the hardest. Um, I'm based in London. I'm originally from South Korea. I came to England like 11 years ago now. Um, Got a bit of a multi-background. So I studied um, biomedical science with management at Imperial and then did a postgrad study in healthcare technologies which I actually haven't finished yet I need to do two more modules and need to persevere and keep going um and yeah I've 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 started doing a a project a startup in mental health tech called human and I can tell you a bit more about that that later but I do it on top of my full-time job in NHS England so we kind of do tech across across England which is which is pretty cool um but yeah like I said before I I have a personal story on on mental health I had I had I don't know whether you're familiar with eating disorders but I had bulimia when I was younger like 15 years old I had it for quite some time and I recovered and it was it was all good but it took some time to make sort of that full recovery. So I'm I'm a big advocate for mental health and I really wanna I, I respect people who who want to listen to it and speak about it. So um I'm really glad that I can kind of speak about it as well in today's podcast as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, first of all, I'd love to hear a bit more about human and um how you started with human. So what we do at Human, uh, it's a mental health tech startup, like like I said, but we're building an automatic symptom tracker for people with mood disorders, so bipolar disorder and major depression uh, mainly. So I don't know if the audience would be really familiar, but how we usually consult in mental health is you do an interview with, with the patient and you kind of capture what you can in that one consultation of what happened in the last six months or 12 months or even for the rest of that patient's life beforehand and it's not surprising that we miss a lot of the information and actually um, bipolar disorder which is actually a very common mood disorder and it's quite severe um, is misdiagnosed almost 70% of the time in the initial consultation because these symptoms get get missed the doctors can't quite figure out whether this patient can remember properly because people with mood disorders have compromised self-insight as well so what we want to do is we want to create a tracking system because at the moment what we have now is um, have you tried journaling before Mm -hmm. yeah you have to kind of actively write stuff down for every day and I don't know whether if it works for anybody, but it never worked for me or anybody else that I've spoken to. So patients can't keep up and it's a lot of burden and fundamentally subjective information is flawed. It gets biased by how we feel in that moment in time, or it might be biased based on what we can remember. So it's all of these things to me, it's crazy that 
this is what informs whether somebody gets treated with an antipsychotics or anti-epileptics. Like this is this is crazy. So we want to give a solution <clears throat> where the patients don't have to log things. It gets done in the background using anonymized smartphone data because it can kind of figure out what you've been doing and how you've been doing and we can start to see some patterns and inform them of these stuff so that's kind of what we what we do at do i human awesome and what originally gave you the idea for human um so it's a bit, bit of a long story but because of my background in 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 mental health and like eating disorders i've always been like really intrigued by eating disorders and mental health in general. So when I went to study biomedical sciences in Imperial, I actually was allowed to pick a specialty in my third year. Uh, so I went in to study neuroscience and mental health in, in that year. And when I was doing that, I just fell in love with neuroscience and mental health. And I really wanted to do like a, like an internship or a proper sort of work in the space. So I got, I kind of, stumbled into this company called Compass Pathways and they're super fascinating because they're developing a psychedelic based treatment for treatment resistant depression so the, these patients with depression do not respond to usual antidepressants or the treatments that we do have and so they're bringing in these psychedelic treatments uh, it's called psilocybin and we're trying to treat depression with that so in that company they wanted somebody to look at digital tools that would capture data remotely from outside the clinic and when they're kind of moving around daily. And that's when I first sort of got my hands into mood disorders and some tech. Um, but again, I found like it was really weird how we were constantly asking people to actively input stuff. And there was always a problem with adherence, like no one would actually respond. So I thought, why couldn't we just do it with the data that we have and kind of use advanced computing to kind of model that person's behavior. Um, but I think whoever's listening to the podcast and has a big advocacy towards like, you have to find the problem first. I completely know that, but just by chance, I stumbled into a really interesting technology first. And that's why I went into the, do the post-grad. Um, so my parents are Korean and they hate taking risks. So I wasn't allowed to really test my startup idea without like a safeguarding fence. So Going in to do a master's degree was an easy way for me to say, look, I'm doing a piece of research when in reality I wanted to test the waters about, you know, how are people living with depression? Like how are they doing stuff right now with bipolar disorder? And I actually looked at eating disorders, um, post-traumatic disorder, uh, stress disorder and loads of other things. But something really drew me towards bipolar because nobody seems to be caring enough about it and it's actually so common and people think it's really rare and it's not it's the fourth most common mental illness in the world after depression and anxiety and schizophrenia like that's a huge amount of people um so that's why we looked at bipolar disorder and all of the interviews and the research and the clinical pathway the papers seem to all point to the fact that like i said before there's a lack of reliable information that tells a story for that patient. And that's when we were like, 
we need to do this and we need to see what we can do in this space. So that's how we we were born. And I found my co-founder from that um, postgraduate research team. We had a hard time like getting the research team. Like we weren't sure how to start a company and we didn't know like what we wanted, but we figured it out and I'm, I'm very lucky to have my co-founder now. So that's, that's how we were born. <laughs> that's really awesome. And um, what is your role at human involved now um, on a daily basis, I guess? It's kind of everything, I suppose. It's hard to pinpoint. I think the most important thing is just the overall direction, like where we're going, because, you know, we're doing stuff on top of our full-time jobs. And the reality is that, on a day-to-day basis it gets really hard to get your team to stay motivated and be convinced that we're we're getting somewhere um so I kind of sometimes feel like this person that constantly you know is like reminding people why we're doing it why we want to do this like we're trying to help people we're trying to make impact we only live once sort of thing but also like I also feel like I do a lot of quality control you know, this is the standard that we need to do our work for. Um, and obviously just anything and everything, to be honest, like, that's the truth of it. You know what I mean? Because we're, we're, we're quite spread thin. So um, anything and everything apart from coding, which is what my co-founder does. And I am absolutely terrible at it. So thanks to Hugo. I don't do any of that. Yeah. And what do you find the most challenging and what do you find is the best part of working at human? Yeah, I, I really like this question because I, I want I wanted to talk about this. Um, I don't know why. What I find difficult is I just wanted to voice that actually I've been feeling so insecure about being a female founder and also just being young. And every time we have a meeting with somebody like really senior or an investor or like, you know, like a venture capital um, group or like a different stakeholder from a charity, et cetera, et cetera. I constantly have this monkey in my head telling me that, you know, they think you're inexperienced and they think you're young. And I think it's because I kind of know that's one of the biggest challenges that we have. We're a young team and it comes with its perks. It's really fun. And we're so like energetic um, and we're ready to commit and like do stuff. But the fact is like, we aren't as experienced as people who have might've lived like double the time that we have. Um, so I find that really, really difficult because it models with my confidence it models with my decision-making sometimes how I, how I, what I decide to, to say. Um, so I find that really, really challenging actually as a, as a founder, but also, like I said, you know, motivating the team, like, you know, this has been a question for decades and decades and decades for every leader in this, in this world. Like, how do you keep people motivated? I find that so fascinating and difficult at the same time because I don't know what I'm doing half the time you just have to that's the nature of the startup right you just have to see what happens and give it your best shot if it doesn't work out try better next time I suppose so I find the people aspects really difficult um and naturally I'm actually I'm very introverted so I have to fake myself to be very extroverted and that at the end of the day is quite quite draining for me um 
But on the startup front in general, I think we are really waiting for, well, not waiting for, we're developing our product and like our goal in the short term is to really get that funding so that we can all work together full time. Like that would be amazing. But without that, it's it's been it's been challenging for sure. But the reason why like we're still here and, you know, yesterday we had a team call and I felt so happy afterwards because I felt so lucky to be around these people. The fact that people have been giving up their time and been coding and been designing stuff. been We've just finished our user round interviews and I'm sat there with with somebody who who's lived with bipolar disorder and they're telling me all of these things. I'm so lucky to be on the other side of that and listening to that. And, you know, that's a lot of um a lot of luck and I think that's a lot of like prestigious experience to have in life so that I think that's that's amazing and you know we're, we're gonna have to do a really good job ourselves now if we want to keep going with having a good team spirit I think the first hires in a startup is so critical so um but yeah the people side of things again like it's both bad like hard but also the best best part like of 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 being a human mm -hmm. and i see that you're a clinic nhs clinical entrepreneur is that right and yeah. um, how did you become one and what does it mean it was a bit of a good luck to be honest so before i worked as a tech implementation officer i was doing project management in nhs x now it everybody's so confused with all the different NHS organizations and we've all merged into one organization anyway so I won't go into too much detail for that so it was a different team and my one of my big boss at the time knew that I was developing something new in the mental health tech space and um, this person recommended it to me saying that you should you should apply and that was kind of the rest was history and I think this entrepreneurship program like really made me think good leaders just kind of give you that opportunity without even thinking about it. And, you know, if 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 this person ever knew how grateful I am for her to kind of make that effort to tell me like that was amazing because the application process is quite tight. You have to be well, you can be a doctor or a nurse or a project manager or anybody in the NHS working in the NHS but you have to have quite a lot of references, which is dependent on how you've been working and how you've been carrying yourself throughout the whole time. Um, so I was lucky because I was working my ass off and actually it, it paid off really well. Uh, my seniors felt very supportive of, of what I wanted to do and they, they, they signed a few letters and wrote a few recommendations and that's how I got in, I had to do a pitch video, things like that. Um, I think you can go in even without an idea. So like if anybody's like listening to this podcast and wondering whether, you know, it's a good idea, it's a damn good idea to do it. It's it's fantastic. It's all free. They've got good food and they give you genuinely very good, good, good opportunities to to do your startup. So I, I strongly recommend. But yeah, that's 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 the gist of how I got into it. And you mentioned that you used to be a technology implementation officer for the NHS. What did that involve? Yeah, so that's um, what I do now. And 
what does that involve? So I work specifically in secondary care. Do you know much about secondary care, primary care? Not too much. I think the audience might not know. So if I were to briefly explain, primary care is the frontline staff that you'd bump into, you know, your GP, your dentists, your pharmacists. Now, second, secondary care is one stage beyond that. So the GP would refer you, oh, goodness, your back pain is so awful. I'm going to have to refer you to a, a, a chiropractor or somebody else. Or if I was having a mental health issue, be sent to a mental health um, practice, et cetera or a psychiatrist, you know. So I just do work in secondary care. And what we do is we find um, a piece of technology that would help with the biggest challenges that we have in secondary care in the NHS. And a lot of it is, as we all know, its demand is too high compared to what we're able to give. And we need a way to, to try and tackle these waiting lists and the backlog, especially from COVID. And we believe that you know, it's got to be technology that can really make an impact in, in chopping these because there's not enough doctors, there's not enough nurses. So we find these pieces of technology and we roll it out across England. Well, either across the whole of England, as we did for video consultation when COVID happened, we just had to roll it out throughout the country very, very quickly. Um, but now we've we've calmed down. We're, we're looking at more more targeted stuff to to improve efficiency in in the NHS and secondary care and also make patients lives easier that's that's more important so you're working as a technology implementation officer and on the side you're also running human how yes. what are your thoughts on running a business part-time whilst also having a full-time job um i just want to say like if anybody's listening to the podcast and thinking you know, should I do this idea that I have in my mind? Um, and I, I just wanted to say, like, it's totally worth it. And it's so possible to do it in on top of your full time job. Um, and I actually would challenge the usual stigma or. Yeah, a stereotype in the investor world or in the startup world, where if you're not a full time founder, you don't care about it. If you're not a full time founder, Mm, it's not very important that is not true and it's it's very dependent on the founder's context and I'm a big believer in that like life is not just about one thing it's it's about multiple things and it's totally fine if you're thinking about an idea you think you can make it work I don't think you should just quit your job because you have an idea you know go do your homework do do a bit of research do speak to the people and you know read some papers and try to find a problem, look at what's out there. Why is it not working? Think about it. And if it's going somewhere, just get somebody to help you and start working on it. Learn how to work with other people and step-by-step, step, spend a bit more time here, spend a bit more time there. And when the time is right, go full-time. Like it's not it's not like a big, big problem. I, I will have to say though, you have to sacrifice a lot of the things. You don't feel relaxed at the end of the day. I often feel like my brain's just going to explode before I go to bed, but I'm kind of gotten used to it now. I kind of use face relaxation techniques to just fall asleep very quickly, but there are downsides, but I think it's so possible. I just wanted to encourage your audience to say like, look, you, I'm sure you might've thought of something. Don't just let it go. Like it's such a missed opportunity. And especially if you're young, 
you've got nothing to lose. You've, you've got to try it out, right? Like we only get to live once, so why not sort of thing. And do you have any advice on how people can effectively manage their time between a full-time job and a part-time startup or other projects? I do. And I think everybody works slightly differently. So obviously it's not a definite, oh, this is the right way. But what I found really important is habit forming. You have to give yourself discipline and you have to give yourself a reason to follow that. Because at the beginning, if your startup idea isn't formulated properly, or if you're not working with somebody else, you will start to sleep in. You will start to say, oh, but I've got drinks today. Oh, but I've got this TV show in the evening. Oh, but I've got this one. You you can't do that. You have to have a very clear cut plan and you have to hold yourself accountable. And what I found useful is actually just finding someone at somebody else that will hold you accountable. Um, I wouldn't kind of post on LinkedIn and stuff before you're established because it kind of has a bigger impact if you don't follow it. But, you know, give yourself a reason to, to do it. Another way would actually be like, um, like writing a blog post or like keeping a record of what you're doing every single day so that you can look back and make sure that you're keeping in check and doing, doing stuff. Um, I think that habit forming, once you've done that, it's actually easy because you, in your head, you're thinking, okay, work is not nine to five. It's half, half seven until eight o'clock. And over, over time, that will become the norm and you'll start to make like really big chunks of progress. And if this is really difficult, maybe it can be just the weekend to start with. You can, you can start small, but just follow it. And it's, it's so important. I think that, that area. And what are your thoughts on um, founding a business as a solo entrepreneur versus trying to find a co-founder? I think having a co-founder is essential in my view just because I never trust myself fully. Like you have to doubt your thoughts because there's always the risk of you overrunning other people's ideas, other people's thoughts. And when a co-founder's there, it will tame you, your ego. And I think, you know, being a founder and having control of your ego is so important because it sometimes comes back to bite you and it will ruin what you're trying to do it will delude you so having a co-founder is super helpful and it gives you the opportunity to bounce ideas and do you know what it gets pretty damn tough and you sometimes feel like quitting and co-founder will help you not to do that um, obviously finding the right co-founder is not easy that's why I would encourage going to like entrepreneur first or doing stuff I've been very very lucky to find Hugo naturally and I understand that people won't have that um one advice do not make your friend a co-founder become a friend once they're your co-founder first have a working relationship first um and if you're a friend first and if you're like me, you start feeling bad, you feel that bad about asking questions or having challenging conversations. This person has to be that one person where you can be the, the most insecure. You can ask the most difficult questions. I feel like this is not going to work out because of this. And that should feel feel natural. Um, and also never, ever commit 
to a co-founder, calling them a co-founder until three, six, three months, six months. If you have the time to do that, do not commit. It takes time. Everybody will sound incredible in the first interview or the first conversation. They're going to make themselves sound really good. And I'm sure that they are. But sometimes you need to see when that excitement dies down, when their baseline hits, where is that baseline? Is it up to the, the, the standard that I need it to be to make this work? Is it actually exceptional? Because you will have to find somebody like that, um, which takes time. So don't commit, don't promise things, just see how people work first, I would, I would say. And one last thing about co-founders, I think you need to understand what you're good at, but more importantly, what you're really bad at. And they should bring you that really bad stuff. Like I'm a very emotionally sensitive person and I care a lot about many, many things. And I can sometimes, it can sometimes get in the way because I will feel emotional about certain things. When Hugo is really good at, you know, explaining the the third person's point of view, like bird's eye view and saying, no, I think we're okay. No, don't worry. This is going to go this way. We're going to go this way. And I can't code when Hugo will tell me, okay, the technical development will go this way. The models can be trained this way. And Hugo has things that he can't do or he doesn't want to do, like doing presentations or speaking with uh, loads of random people. And I don't like it either, but I don't mind it. You know, we we fit well with the complementary skills with the same like purpose. Like we both just want to be, I suppose, want to be helpful because I feel like otherwise life is a bit crap. Um, but yeah, find a co-founder that has something that you don't have and still you kind of share the core core belief of of why we're doing this sort of thing. And, you know, and then if your startup doesn't work, you probably still will have a lifelong friend and it's still worth it. Yeah. And you also run a YouTube channel. Is that right? How has yes, that I been? <laughs> I laugh because I cringe every time I think about my YouTube channel. Um, it's, it's going, it's going, it's been growing very slowly, but steadily. So it's very interesting in group. I kind of expected that to happen because the, the channel is basically, by the way, just to preemptively say, if anybody's excited for my YouTube channel, A, you shouldn't be, and B, it's not in English. So sorry about that. It's for South Koreans who are kind of planning to or already living in England or wanting to study here or get a job here. Because I've been living here for 11 years and uh, there are so many things I just wish somebody would have told me before. Like Britons don't like certain things. And I, it took me so long to become like a Briton and think like a Brit. And I kind of wanted people to, to know that. And you can already tell like the market size is very niche. The target size, like audience size isn't massive. So I knew it was always going to be quite, a slow growth um but it's been actually much more rewarding than i thought it would be because i never thought 
it would actually be that helpful, like that helpful to people. But I've started looking at comments um, flowing in saying, you know, they've got this internship or they've got this, they got into this university and their lives changed and they're feeling so energetic. That is just amazing. And I feel so, so happy about that. Um, But it originally started actually as me sharing my eating disorder stories and stuff. And kind of came to pivot because my algorithm kept suggesting that I should pivot so I was like okay fine I'll pivot that's why I think I'm gonna do a podcast on eating disorders separately because I just need to talk about it and I need I know people need to listen to it so I'll 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 try that again but yeah YouTube is ongoing mission um I'll keep doing stuff and yeah it's it's been really good actually a good community um, and aside from your YouTube channel, where can people connect with you or support you? So please definitely give us a visit on our website uh, at human.uk. Uh, so that's human, H-U-M-I-N.uk. And if the audience is actually interested in what we're doing or would like to actually try our product because they have um, mood fluctuations, then you can just sign up to get our beta or actually work with us to inform how we do things, how we design things. You can also use the contact form there. Um, I think the best place is to connect on LinkedIn. So if you search Min Lee on LinkedIn, it will say like NHS entrepreneur, um, you can also follow human on Instagram. It's at human.mh. It's a very small Instagram. So bear with us. It's, uh, we're at the growing stage. So yeah, uh, you can, you can find us, find me there. Awesome. And we'll put all these links in the show notes. Thank you so much, Min. This has been awesome. No, thank you so much for having me. And it's, it's been great to speak with you, Charles. Thank you. Thank you.